0: to share a few things on building an enduring business. And I approached it that year from the Christian perspective. And Apostle said, don't do the Christian perspective. Just pack the Christian perspective. He will do the Christian perspective. Just do the business one. So tonight I'll be doing the business one. But because you can't take the gospel out of a man, I might still do some linking into the fact that what makes us tick. Um Thank you very much for the kind kind introduction. My background's in construction, built environment. Um, Spent a number of years in that. Trained as an architect, did construction management. Um, I had a first degree in architecture, a second degree in architecture. I then did postgraduate in construction management. And a couple of years ago, I decided that I wanted to expand my thinking. I went back to school, and I did an MBA. I'm still recovering. (laughs) but i'll say this to you if you ever have the opportunity if you ever have the opportunity in life to do some learning in fact i can almost say that learning about business should be the core thing everyone should learn to do not be, whether or not you want to be in business just do it because you want to ensure that your retirement is secure and the beauty of it is you never learn all you need to know about business because it's evolving It's changing. Um, The way they used to teach it in business schools is very different from what they teach teach now. And the most interesting aspect is that in this day and age, there are two aspects that you need to focus on, technology and the impact of technology. You don't have to be in the computer world to understand the impact of technology. And there's something else we call the sharing economy. So the combination of the sharing economy and business and the disruptive technologies create new opportunities. Now that's not part of what I'm talking about today because my, my topic today is to focus us on two things, principles of a successful business and raising capital for your venture. So I'll try and stick within the script as much as I can. Um, My my focus over the years in the various roles I have undertaken, whilst it started off with looking after the bricks and mortar, it grew very, very quickly to the point where, in fact, I am where I am today because I understood the numbers. I call it the numbers game. If you don't know your figures, if you don't know the numbers, you go, you sink very, very quickly just, there's no two way about it. So, it, that reminds us of why we, why we always say the, is it, the, they call it the three R's? Is it the three R's? Reading, writing, and I don't know why they call it arithmetic. Why not arithmetic? But leave that. We'll leave some of the jokes out today, but we'll still have some of it. Now, startling statistics. I, I just did a quick Google um, this evening. I, just as I was standing there, I did a quick Google and it says, that's a Telegraph. The Telegraph, the business, the, I'm, I'm quoting from the Telegraph, an article, Telegraph UK, um, t- the Telegraph newspaper. This was in um, I did a, a quick Google and I s- simply said, statistics, UK business failures. You'd be wondering why I want to do that. But, and I checked here and the first thing that I came up on Google was this Telegraph um, report that was done in October 2014. And it says more than half, more than 50% of new businesses do not survive beyond five years. Are you still sure you want to get into business? 50% will fail within five years. Another 50% will fail five years after that. Actually, it's true. Over the years, only 10%, probably less, survive after 10 years. Why? Why? But there are some enduring businesses. There are those that have been there through thick and thin. There are companies that we hear of celebrating their 50th year. What makes the difference? Actually, I always say it's because most of those choose to be nimble the ability to respond to change because change is inevitable. I came across something early part of this week and I'll keep doing that. I'll keep quoting statistics and I'll keep quoting figures. I came across something very, very interesting at the beginning of the week. It was a quotation. I think I shared it on Sunday very briefly. It was a quotation by the form, uh, one of the former presidents of the United States of America. He said, change is is the law of life and those who only look to the past or present are certain to miss the future you would think this was said yesterday it wasn't it was said in the summer of 1963 the president was john f kennedy the change is the law of life and those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future Ronald Cohen put it this way. He said it's about looking at the second bounce of the ball. You probably would gather from me talking like this that I like to read. You need to equip yourself in business. So, slide number one, please. And I'm relying on some people to help me up there. Are the slides ready? Sorry, Money Insights. Money Insights, ignore that. That's a bit of a sales pitch. Money Insights, I'll tell you what Money Insights is. Um, Money Insights is a, is a training program. It's something that the Lord laid on my heart a few years ago. Um, kind of like, I think it's now getting close to nine or ten years. But it's about training and equip, equipping primarily individuals, young adults, teenagers, pre-teens, equipping them with financial literacy and encouraging them to become entrepreneurs. Because I think we need more people employing others than people looking for jobs. It's one of the things we're not doing enough of in the UK. But it's changing. It's changing. But then at the same time, people need to learn to do things very, very quickly. There are some things I know today that I wish I knew 25 years ago. I would not be where I am today if I knew those things 25 years ago. But I can pass on those tools to those of us who are in our, our mid-20s. Mid, one of the key things I'll say to you is to be bold and courageous. Actually, actually, you might have heard me say this as, as well before. Some will, some won't, so what? Someone, somewhere's is waiting. SW, SW, SW. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Now, slide... The next slide. This is... Ooh, what's that all about? That's about the topic we're dealing with today. The topic we're dealing with today is about... Um, It's about creating what are the successes, what are the principles of successful business. Principles of successful business. And the second part of the topic that we're dealing with today, if you give me the next slide, is about raising capital. How can you become the magnet that draws in the capital that you want? So you're trying to interpret the pictures now we well, have we got a picture of a magnet there with money? How do you draw the money that you want? How do you attract the money that you want? Now, for us to deal with that in two different topics or two different sessions or seminars would be a bit unnecessary because it's one and the same thing. It's one and the same thing. You couldn't do one without the other. And one of the key things you will find me talking about here, and it's very, very important. If you are, and I've heard this before, There have been statistics that have been done all over the world. And statistics that are done is that if you, if there are more people, number one fear of most people is not necessarily the fear of death. Number one fear of most people is the fear of speaking to others in public, standing up in public and presenting, communicating. If you do not fancy communicating, don't go into business. But if you want to learn how to communicate with others, please go into business. Because the first thing I'll say you need to learn is how to present your ideas. If you don't know how to present your ideas and you don't know how to present it successfully, you're going to be in big trouble. Now, hey, if you fail to plan, you plan to what? If you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. It's the same thing with business. So we're talking about the principles of a successful business. In order to have a successful business, you need to recognize that you need to be prepared to sell. You need to be prepared to sell, sell, sell. I don't like selling. Well, you do. Every time you go for an interview, what do you think you're doing? I I like one definition I came up with a long time ago. Someone said, so who do you work for? He said, well, at the moment, my best client is... So, but don't you work for BT? said, no, I don't work for BT. BT are currently the ones that are employing or engaging my services because at this moment in time, I am offering them my services and I could choose to take my business anywhere. That's true. And I've got news for you. If you've started a career, we now know that most people, if you want a career, and we'll talk about career tomorrow, career planning, most people, you can be prepared to have about three, four careers in your lifetime. Because we we're now all expected to live to where 100 at least, more, more of us than not, if the Lord tarries. But if you fail to plan and you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And I say communication is a contact sport. So you need to learn to communicate. So most of what I'll be talking about today is going to be about how you can learn to communicate your business in order to have a successful business and to attract the funds that you need for your business. So we'll wrap it all up in one. Rather than me saying, oh, this is principles of a successful business. This is then is, uh, the principles of attracting. Actually, you can't have one without the other. There are key phases in a business cycle. I will try and focus more on the startup phase today. But the phases, the key phases of a, of a business cycle are inception, start growth, consolidation, innovation and decline I just touched on six there oh by the way those are not going to be on the slides because I'm expecting people to make notes is that fair game the slides are there but the slides as you'll probably see very shortly would not necessarily give you much of writing because I'll be insulting your intelligence if all I do is the right things then I say what I write then I'll be pretending that you can't read. (laughs) You're not with me yet. It's okay. (laughs) So the next slide, please. The key, the next slide here is that it's, today we'll talk a bit about, and I I touched on it, how many people have heard about elevator pitch? You've heard about the elevator pitch? Okay. It's nice, I think about, Less than 10% of us have heard about the phrase elevator pitch. It seems, except there are a number of people who don't want to play the game. I think we don't know where it's going to. But the elevator pitch is, uh, I think we've done it before in the youth group. We're talking about how you share your business idea. And the whole intention is to say, you can imagine, I I, I was somewhere on Berkeley Street today, that's um, near Green Park, and I was going up in the lift to the 8th floor. But the lifts are so quick these days that it will probably take you less than 10 seconds to go up and down. But the whole idea of the elevator pitch is an opportunity for you to share your business idea succinctly such that by the time you are with someone, can you imagine? Imagine in yourself just about to board a lift and you've got Richard Branson all to yourself for 30 seconds. What would you say if you've got a business plan that you want him to invest in? that 's what an elevator is about now people who do those things they don't just it doesn 't just reel off you practice and 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 practice it such that when you get up from bed someone wakes you up you don 't look for the notes you just practice it it becomes a part of you so the first thing we need to understand next slide please is about this is, an interesting, this is an interesting one. It's called, what is the problem? What is the problem? So you've got a business. What is the problem? It's weird, isn't it? Actually, if you've got a business doing something, you might end up being like this character here who's saying to his wife, my team have just created a very innovative solution, but we're still looking for the problem it solves. So you could create all the most. You could be the best inventor in the world if you're creating an, if you have find, come up with an innovative solution to something, and you cannot identify the problem it is solving, it's just going to become an innovation that nobody wants or needs. Does it? Communi- am I communicating with us? Come into a business, so we usually say, what, what business are you into? And people will say, oh, I, okay, let's phrase it. How would you describe someone who, who's, I mean, for those of us who are follically challenged, they can't, we still go to the barbers, by the way. But if you meet someone and you say, what are you, I mean, they, uh, it, the, the, it's very, very bland to simply say, oh, I'm a barber. Or a woman, and you say to her, I'm a hairdresser. How does that sound? Kind of like bland, boring. But how about the problem you're trying to fix there is not making someone's hair. Actually, it's about I'm trying to make the people look good. So if you turn that into... What do you do for a living? I transform and transform women to ensure that they're looking good and they're happy about themselves. Oh, so what does that involve? Because it grabbed the individual's attention. So what was the problem you're trying to solve? Someone wants to feel good about themselves and you have become a hairdresser in order to resolve that problem. I've used it very, very it's a basic one, but start thinking about the business that you do in that light. What problem am I out there looking to solve? What do you do? I'm a cab driver. Uh-uh. I'm not a cab driver. I'm trying to ensure that individuals can meet their targets by taking them from point A to B. I'm, I'm, I'm an exec, I, I look after executives to ensure that they get to their business appointments on time. Oh, so what do you do? Oh, I take them there. And You understand what, you understand what, what I'm saying now? now? But what problem are you trying to solve? Does it make sense? Am I communicating? Are you getting a bit more? So, because if you know the problem you're trying to solve, you need to make it obvious. And then you need to ask yourself, what are the statistics? What are the examples? And then the next slide, please, is about what solution do you have for that problem? The solution I have for the problem is as a cab driver, I've got this great luxurious car that enables the individual I'm taking there to spread their wings. Actually, I ensure they're not flustered by going into the underground of the tube. I get them there on time. And it's quite different now. And if you think about yourself being a facilitator of business transactions, you start to feel good about the things that you do in a slightly different way. Ah. have you heard this one? I'm sure you have. John F. Kennedy was, when they were trying to get a man up in the, in the, in, in, um, onto the moon, and apparently he was said to have met this woman who was cleaning the floor of the space center at NASA. And he walked up to her and, she, and, she, and he said to her, um, so what do you do here? And she said, well, I thought that would be pretty obvious to you, Mr. President. We're trying to get a man onto the moon. Someone says, but she was cleaning the floor. Yes, because if she doesn't make that floor clean, they won't get a man onto the moon. Does it? Don't belittle what you're doing. Understand the bigger purpose and the vision for which you're doing what you're doing. Because if your business does not have a vision or a purpose, it ain't going nowhere. Forgive my American... You then need to describe as part of a solution, you need to understand what is it that makes your customers happy. How do you do it that is better than anyone else? What is the niche, the business niche that you occupy? That's important. So the first thing, when you're trying to prepare for yourself an elevator pitch, when you're trying to go through the principles of a successful business, when you're trying to raise capital for your venture, is you need to first understand what the problem is. And you need to then, next, you need to understand and identify the solution. And what makes your solution unique? What's different? I've noticed that on Powie Street here, by the time I move from the front of the cathedral to the car park, I come across about six, no, not six, four or five hairdressers. Five. Okay. Actually, there, there's some across the road as well. Yeah, five. I noticed that. And for those of us who are follicly challenged, noticing that there's something interesting, isn't it? Now, what sets the individual hairdressers? What sets them apart? Some will be there that will be making money. Others will be scraping by. What sets them apart? Do they all charge the same thing? Have you been in... Do they all charge the same thing? But what, ask yourself, what would make you as a woman? Because I'm sure men... I mean, I found out the other day that they... Us men, there's one of the hairdressers. I found out that on the first floor, there's a man there that looks after... He looks after us, the men, you know. I don't know about you, but I actually enjoy sitting at the barber. You're wondering what I'm doing at the barbers. Honestly, I've been advised a lot of times, get yourself a clipper and do it yourself. I said, there's something about someone pampering me. For just those few minutes, I'm captive. I don't rush it because the individual would, If he wants to take 15 minutes, I don't know what he's doing, but he takes at least 20 minutes. But at the end of it, I pay him and I feel good. Okay. I'm a captive audience. But there you go. I'm not having it. I don't have it in for Barber's today. I didn't plan that, you know. (laughs) So the next slide, please. Having identified what the solution is, how big is the market? How big is the market? Do you know how big your market is? The other day I was preparing a proposal for those when I was sharing a testimony a few weeks ago. I was preparing a proposal for my PhD dissertation, um, my PhD research topic, and I picked on a subject matter in in the circular economy. That's a different thing. I'm not going to go too much into that. But the key thing there was I was trying to justify or explain explain the size of the market and my focus in that instance was on emerging african economies and someone wanted to know so what about emerging african economies and i discovered from the statistics i picked up from the united nations that the population of africa today is circa 1.2 billion it is anticipated that within the next five to six years, the population will be 1.7 billion, and by the year 2050 is expected to reach 2 point something billion. Now, aligned to that is increased consumerism, increased need for materials. Now, what's that saying to me? That's saying you've got a massive market And I'm trying to extrapolate in the basis of the market. So the market size matters. Who are the people out there who need your services? Who do you want to sell the products to? How big is that market? The bigger, the better. Some people target and focus on the market niche that is about, oh, I'm only looking after millionaires. It's okay. I've got this interesting um, analysis a lot of people would not... Well, you might recognize this. I like the examples of retail. Retail, if I said to you that Asda is not in the same market as Max and Spencer's, you might kind of look at me funny. You say, but they both sell goods, don't they? I can assure you that Waitrose and Max and Spencer are looking after a different segment of the market. Asda is targeting a completely different segment of the market. They're not stopping you and I from moving from one to the other, but their core market is different. The most recent disruptive model there has been the Aldis and the Lidl's. Yeah. And, and the pound shop, the pound, well, actually, the pound shop is in a slightly different market as well. It's a different retail sector. They're not going to stop you from moving from one to the other, but as would Walmart would gladly say to you, we're not interested in the Mr. Middleman. We're interested in the individual that lives from paycheck to paycheck, who barely make ends meet. That's our core market. You can focus. Waitress, focus on your big guys. But that's because they understand their market and they know their market and they understand how big the market is. So in your business, do you understand your market? Because if you don't understand your market, why would I put my money in your market? You don't know your business. You don't know your market. You can't move. You can't progress far. And that's really a bit of a top down and bottom up. Find out who else has quoted it. I was talking about statistics right now in in emerging um, African economies. And I was quoting an authority. I said the UN data. Okay. So when I say to people, the UN data says this, Bloomberg said this. I mean, I don't know what sectors we're all in. But I'll ask you, where do you get your news and updates about your markets and your sectors from? I've spent some time today watching Bloomberg. And watching how the markets are moving. Not necessarily because, I mean, I am interested in every market, but I know that in globalization, all these things link. When I read the newspapers, I'm not looking for the gossips. I've got news for you. I don't read the Daily Mail or the Daily Express and all of that to find out who, what footballer he's doing what. So What? You turn to the business pages, you want to know what impacts your business. You want to know what impacts your life, what makes a difference. Now, there's some of those things that I read, you skim read them, and you want to understand what's going on in different places. But you need to focus on what you, waste, what you spend your time on, not waste your time on, what you f- spend your time on. So you need to understand as well how big your market is, the market size, how it's growing or likely to grow. And how you can calculate its users, the usage, the revenue, that means in whatever field you are in, you need to know that market, your fingertips, you need to know it and know it well. I bet the hairdressers out there know how many hairdressers are on the street. I've got news for you. They probably should know if they don't know how much the different hairdressers charge because they will need to decide where they want to pitch themselves. They'll also need to decide which market they want to pitch themselves in. Some would say, we specialize in Afro-Caribbean hairstyles. Others would say, we specialize in Asian hairstyles. You need to pick up your niche. But before you pick up that niche, you need to ask yourself, how many players are there? I can assure you that if you simply go off to China today and set up a hairdresser focusing on African hairstyle you'll probably crush your business very quickly. You know why? It's obvious, isn't it? It's a little market. I mean, if the room is filled with follically challenged men and you want to sell, maybe you could sell wigs. No. Yeah, you could sell shampoo. We still use shampoo, you know. <laughs> Can I have the next slide, please? Having identified how big your market is, you need to ask yourself and describe what's your business model. The business model describes how you're planning to make money. So how are you planning to make money? You need to describe the top revenues. You need to understand the, the current market activity. You need to understand what revenue models you have in place. Because if you can't describe this to anyone who's going to invest in your business, there's no way they're going to invest. And if you can't describe this or understand this, you can't have a successful business. So it's very important. Now, I'll introduce this. If you've never come across it, I'll be very, very happy to as many. I'll probably say happy, happy, happy. I'm putting myself on the line now. I'll say I'm happy to first five Businesses that ask, I'd be happy to guide you through using what I call the business model canvas. Read up about it. Business model canvas. It helps you to succinctly pull together your business model. It's a very. It was. It was the business model canvas was a was a subject of a of a um, of a doctorate program in Harvard Business School, and it's now become become a top selling. In fact, one of the most disruptive tools right now in the marketplace very very they, they talk about people whose models change the world the chaps there they are they're rated at the moment they don't offer any magic wands. they offer a tool that would help you bring out what your business model is i don't have shares in the company by the way the next slide please now this is the interesting one Some people call it, what's your unique selling proposition? I say, what's your unfair advantage? What is it that you have in your business that no one else has? What makes you, and funders, investors love this one. They want to know what your unfair advantage is. Because it's by you having an unfair advantage in the marketplace that ensures that you can make money. Investors love the unfair advantage. Big market lead, that might be your advantage. It might be that you've got an experienced team. Can you imagine what would be the case if you set up a clinic? I don't have to be a medical doctor. But I set up a clinic and I employ all the medical experts in heart surgery. What would happen? If I had everyone who has that condition will come drawing. I don't have to be the expert at it, but I've got the experts at it. So I can not say to them, what's the unfair advantage? I've got all the experts in the United Kingdom working for me. That becomes an unfair advantage. It's also my unique selling point. We've heard of USPs, USPs. I call it the unfair advantage. What's the unfair advantage? I mean, that man there, of course, they're trying to have a boxing tournament. We know who's got the unfair advantage. At times, it could be the technology you employ. At times, it could be patents or patents. I don't know which one. It could be exclusive partnerships that you have. It could be that you've got a great sales and marketing team, but you need to be able to describe what these are. The next slide, please. You need to be able to identify who are the competition, who else is in the business that you are into. If you don't describe it and you don't know who they are, well, you don't know who you're competing against. How many people have seen this thing done at Sainsbury's or Tesco's or Asda? They call it price match? They call it price match, isn't it? They were trying to stop most of us from doing this sort of like, going from point A to B. You find, oh, the cornflakes at Sainsbury's is pound eighty, At Tesco, it's £2. Then you and I buy the fruits at Tesco, and then we spend £1 burning fuel from Tesco to Sainsbury to pick up one for 20p less. It just costs you 80p more. Ah, the light has shown now. You've just spent 80p more. So, because they recognize that there are people like us, they want to help us save and conserve fuel, well, so they decided to start doing a price match. And what they do with a price match, they try and send people around to understand what the latest prices are. And they say, don't worry, come automatically at the teal, we'll give you a price match. That's because they're keeping their eye on the competition. There have been times, I'm guilty of this as well, there have been times I've been looking for the best deal. You walk up and down Oxford Circus, the one that you saw the first time, by the time you walk back and forth, you've, got, you've saved two pounds, but it's cost you two hours. Stop it! Please. Okay. Okay. It's all right. So find out what the competition is doing. I've discovered something, by the way. They all play games. And they, by the time your shopping bill will come to round about the same thing, whichever one you go to, just decide which one you want to go to and stick with it. Close your eyes like us men usually do. Just buy what you see. Check the sell-by date, though it's horrible for you to have bought it and it was actually all expiring today so you need to find out what the competition are doing and very very important as well that you understand what's different between you and your competition what do you offer those difference um, I think there was a slogan every little helps Tesco's okay now, there was a time when Tesco's would say you would never have more than... If you're more than one person or two, they would open the next till. Yeah, one, they would open another till. Okay. Those are all trying to make a distinction. And they're trying to differentiate themselves from each other. So you need to find out what's different about your business model. So if you're in business today and you don't know what's different from, between you and your competitors then you've not started. And if you don't know, actually, why would anybody want to invest in it? The next slide, please. The next slide, very, very important. So you've got the best products and services in town, but how do you want to get your customers? How do you get your customers? What's your marketing plan? How do you reach out to customers? There are lots of channels. There's the online, there's the offline, there are leaflets. I've got news for you, those who say, We've, our marketing plan is lots of leaflets, leaflet distribution. There's a small percentage of returns. If I'm correct, I think last time I checked, it was less than 10% of the leaflets get read, and even less than 10% of those actually act on it. Or you wonder why. Okay. Can you imagine? Imagine for one minute. You see, you, you see all those cutouts. Either on in the metro or something about McDonald's free or cheap or whatever. Can you imagine for one day if every single copy of those all over London, every individual that picked it up went into a McDonald's? You know, it wouldn't happen, wouldn't it? They don't expect everyone to do it, so they don't stock up or stack up there. if you if. If we all try to do it in one go, we discover they'll run out of it because they've got a maximum number. So the same way, they've worked on the basis of the fact that if they've issued a million, only X percent would re- will come in terms of returns. And that's the same thing you need to understand about leaflet drops. Actually, leaflet drops are not necessarily the most efficient way of, of about your business, of course, of, except, of course, if you've got something a sweetener. The next slide, please. Who is on your team? You've heard this a number of times Said a tree can never make a forest. And it is so true in business. You cannot be everything. Who is on your team? It is impossible for you to be a specialist in every single field. You need people who understand different things. You might be great at sales and marketing. You might not be so good at numbers. And if anyone's looking at your company and your business, they want to know who's doing your numbers. They want to know who's doing your business sales. They want to know who's looking after the distribution. They want to know who's looking after the marketing. So for those who have been struggling with their business, you'll probably discover you've been trying to do everything. And it wouldn't grow. Actually, I've got news for you. The business has a limited shelf life if you do not have plans to hire people in to help you run parts of it. And the worst bit is, don't hire people, don't hire the cheapest people you can find. You only do that when, well, let's not, I'm on, I'm live, let's not go into the one I wanted to do now, because I don't want to be taken up. So who's in your team? Experts, who are the entrepreneurs, who's the sales and marketing? You need to identify who the hires are as well. And as we start to draw to a close, the next slide is saying, so, how much money do you need? I need an investor to come into my business. How much money do you need? How many people have watched Dragon's Den? Dragon's Den, yeah? It zeroes in most of the time on money. Numbers. Do you know the, do you know your numbers? Most business ideas fall down on money, on either the market size or market segments or numbers. Usually people overestimate rather than being uh, and there's nothing like don't be optimistic, don't be pessimistic, be realistic. Does that help? Don't be optimistic, don't be pessimistic, be realistic. So how much money do you need? You need to be able to work that out. And any investor would also ask you, how much money do you have? First thing you hear in Dragos then as well, they'll say, how much have you put in yourself? Oh, I want to sell 10% of my company. I want it for 1 million. I say, how much have you put in yourself? If you've just put in 50p, who's going to buy 10% of your company for 1 million? Why? Because what you've got at stake, they will always use this terminology, you need to have skin in the game. It means that if this business fails, you need to be able to, it needs to hurt you as well. If it won't hurt you, no other investor will put their monies in. Except, of course, if they're the three F's. We use this in business terminology, the three F's. Friends, family, and fools. If you've never heard that before it's usually said it will say the first place the seed money for your business is from friends family and fools it's okay ah oh, a number of us invested in in, in the dot dot com era because at that time anything with dot com on the end of it we buy the shares well at least it's bringing in two pounds a month we still kept the shares. It reminds us of the lessons of just not jumping on the bandwagon. And finally, having identified how much money you need, the next slide says, how are you going to spend it? What will you do with the money? So if someone wants to invest, again, if you follow Dragons, then you would hear things like, so what do you want to do with the money? I want to hire people. I want to expand the business. I want to grow the business. Whatever. You need to be clear what you want to do with the money. And finally, the last slide there, I believe it's the last slide, is actually, that's not the last slide, that's the last slide. Someone's jumped into my last slide, one slide before, okay. The the slide there is about what is your exit strategy? And I tagged that, how do you want to make real money? Some people... If you don't know how you're going to get out of the business, nobody wants to invest in the business. Because the investors want to know how they will get their money out. They want to know how they will get their money out. And usually most people will target an IPO. Do we all know what an IPO means? Public listing. So you grow the business or you sell it onto someone else. You'd find a lot of that in the, in the, in the, in the commercial, in the, in the technology world today. you find a lot of people buying up startups, technology groups, because that's the exit strategy. So effectively, what I've been touching on over the last 35, 40 minutes, I think, round about now, answering that fundamental question, raising capital for your venture, And how do you have a successful business? You need to identify what the problem is, the solution to the problem, how big your market share is, what's your business model, what's your unfair advantage, who are the competition, what is your marketing plan, who's in your team, how much money you need, what you're going to do with it, and what is your exit strategy. That's about eight or nine points, isn't it? Now, if you have all those things, you mix them together in a short presentation that should be no longer than about five to 10 minutes. And it's that that you present to your investors. So how do you raise capital for your venture? There are different sources. One of the sources are crowdfunding, usually good for inception, startup or growth. You might need a business angel. That's what you normally get with the dragons. There's something they call bootstrapping. I won't go into all the technology te- terminologies now. Or you could go for a venture capital investment. Venture capitalists like it. Venture capital venture capital companies they like to invest, but they don't usually invest in startups. They invest in growth and consolidation stage. There are six key stages, as I said very earlier on. That's the inception, the startup. The growth, the consolidation, the innovation, and the decline. Startup companies, crowdfunding, business angel, at times bootstrapping. Venture capitalists, they normally come in for growth. They want to propel it to the next stage. And then bank loans as well, they go for growth. Banks don't like lending money to startups. Please note that. If you're wondering why you've been struggling with getting money for your startup business, banks don't like it. Because it doesn't have a track record. They would like to see a business that is about to expand. The only time that you easily get money off the bank for a startup is not quite a startup. Is when you're doing a franchise. That's because they know the model. Someone has done it before and it works. So if you're wondering why your bank has been turning you down, they're saying no to a startup. is because banks don't like funding startups. They don't. They don't like it, because as far as they're concerned, it's riskier. There was fund growth, but you need to have demonstrated that you've got a track record of bringing in money. You don't have to be making millions, but they know you've been successfully doing something, and so that stage is usually crowdfunding, business angels, or friends, family, and okay. And of course, finally, is the public stock market, which is about innovation and decline, which is when you're about to exit. All right. I've tried to cramp everything in very, very quickly, and I hope you've managed to get a few things out of it. I don't know if we've got any time for questions. Do we have any time for questions? No, we don't have time for questions. However, if you've got questions you'd like me to take, I'll be happy for you to send an email to moneyinsights. At btinternet.com. It's free advice, and I'm not going to send you an invoice. And I've still got five offer for five people. And please, 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 don't struggle on your own in terms of your business. And if you get your impression that people, you're running a business, you don't want anyone to know about your business, you're wasting your time. Is that clear? If you want to share your business ideas with people, you can ask them to to sign non-disclosure agreements. And that's okay. You can sign an an NDA. We call it an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. It's okay. If you don't know what that looks like, happy to help you out with that as well. Again, for business startups, you need a mentor in your business. You need a business coach. You need all of that. You need someone to be able to sound your ideas out. And the Lord will bless you. God bless you. thank you for that um you can see pastor was struggling not to go into the scriptures you know because apostle has said it has to be business-minded and we thank you for that